0: You're listening to Heather Solves Everything, a show about discovering strengths and solving problems. So, what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where I take credit for solving your problems by introducing you to smart people with good ideas. I'm Heather, and in addition to being your host, I'm a national board certified health and wellness coach. I help women like you, live in balance. So whether you're a busy mom searching for some alone time, a new business owner looking for balance between life and work, if you're in between careers and trying to figure out what's next on your life's journey, or all of those at the same time, this show is for you. And even if you're none of those things and you just stumbled across this and think, I like this idea, I like this topic, I'm glad that you're here. My guest today is Winnie Yenemi. She is the founder and CEO of Thrive Unburdened, a mental health counseling and life coaching company serving some of the unique needs in our mental health space. She is a licensed mental health therapist providing services to clients living in Alaska, Florida, and Louisiana. She works with teenage girls and women. And that's why I've invited her here today, because I want to talk about that group in particular who are struggling with anxiety, depression, and trauma-related issues. Her approach to therapy is one that is holistic, drawing on theories such as cognitive behavior therapy, schema therapy, Alderian therapy principles and also began using brain spotting in her practice. We're going to talk about what all of that is. Welcome to the show, Winnie.
1: Thank you, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited about our conversation today.
0: I am too. Are you ready to solve everything? Oh, let's do it. Let's get into it. it. Okay, Winnie. I can't start without acknowledging the epic name of your business, Thrive Unburdened. I'm curious to know, what does it mean? What does it mean to thrive unburdened? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, So when I was thinking about um, a name for um, the practice, I was trying to figure out um, a name that would be very meaningful to me. Um, but something that other people could connect to as well. Um, and so I have this wonderful definition on my website. I'm going to read um, some of it to you and um, we could dive into why I came up with this definition if we want to. But um, thriving unburdened is really about one vulnerability. Um, it's about recognizing the need for help, seeking it, and accepting it because you can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. Um, It's about having someone in your corner to help you through the dark, confusing times. It's about having someone there who can hold hope alive for you when you've given up and cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's also about stepping out of your comfort zone and navigating through the uncomfortable. this definition of thriving unburdened is very personal to me because um, I can tell you that in order for me to be where I'm at today, um, thriving and um, living a life that makes me really happy and um, being happy with what I'm doing and everything like that, I had to do all these things that I just listed in, in this definition to get there, recognizing. Um, the need for others in my corner, recognizing the need to be vulnerable and to open up and to, to say, you know what, I can't do this alone. Um, whether that be, you know, um, for healing, parenting, um, just being alive, being a business owner and, you know, navigating life. Um, we really can't do it. Alone, And if we want to thrive on burden, and if we want to um, leave some of these things behind that, that have the tendency to just kind of weigh us down, we can't do it alone. And we need to have somebody in our corner um, to to help us do that. So that's where um, that came from. That's the definition um, that I've come up with. Um For what I it means it. to thrive
0: unburdened I love it i I have the the mental image of somebody who's thriving, meaning that that they are living a purposeful life that feels authentic, mm-hmm. and they are unburdened by the limitations that hold them back, whether they mm-hmm. are you know life circumstances or self-imposed ideas of of what they can or cannot do and supported by this partnership that you're offering. And it sounds like this partnership is inspired by your experiences of of needing support and needing a partner. Mm
1: -hmm. It absolutely is. And um, I also tell people that um, thriving unburdened or getting to a point in your life where you feel like you're thriving and you're happy and you're doing the things that Um, you want to be doing in life it doesn't mean that you don't have any problems or um, you know you don't have any challenges and um, you're just living this magical life it doesn't mean that at all Um, it really means being authentic like you mentioned and um, living this authentic life where um, you're willing to step outside of your comfort zone and to let somebody know that, hey, things are not all right. I need One. support. I need help.
0: One thing that I really like about that idea is sometimes we've, we we convince ourselves that when we get to a point where we're thriving in life, that we feel like we've made it. Now everything's going to be easy. But... Those of us who have been around the block a few times know that that thriving can be temporary, you know, something can come in and press pause on that or distract us from it or become a different priority. And we can connect right back into thriving again, Mm -hmm. you know, when we've learned how to do that. And that's, that's part of what you do in your practice is teaching teenage girls how to do that. Mm-hmm. in a world where right now we are very aware of the mm-hmm. mental health struggles that we have especially among our children mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely um you mentioned before that um, I use all of these different um therapeutic models in my um practice I mean so one of the reasons that I do that and I take on this holistic perspective is because I've learned that um you know thriving and being in a good place and um doing things where you know you just feel uh so energetic about life and uh you're going for your goals and everything like that um a lot of um those feelings can be temporary, but when you really learn how to um apply skills that you've learned and um, you learn how to embody those and you learn how to um, basically make them a part of who you are. When you go through these difficult times, you can fall back on the skills that you've learned and recall those and apply them to um, the hard situations to help you get through. I'm glad
0: you brought that up because (laughs) cognitive behavior therapy, I know about that schema therapy, Alderian, Adlerian therapy, and brain spotting are new words to me. Explain yeah, this yeah, to me.
1: Absolutely. So um, <clears throat> for our listeners who may not be familiar with cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, um, it is a um, talk therapy model um, based on cognition. So our thoughts affect how we feel, and then that in turn affect our behaviors. Um, so that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, a lot of the um, clients, teenagers, and adults that I work with, um, we work on identifying, um, you know, faulty cognitions and how these things lead to um, feelings of anxiety or um, feelings of sadness that can then lead to depression. And then, of course, um, once we get stuck in those Uh, heavy feelings, then that, of course, affect our behaviors Um, that can contribute to lack of motivation or um, not being able to do the things that um, we were doing before. So that's CBT. Um, What I like about um, these different uh, therapeutic models that I draw on is the fact that a lot of them are so interconnected, just like a lot of the um therapeutic models in the mental in the mental health field a lot of them draw on each other's um basics or the the foundations are very similar so schema therapy has a lot of um similarities with cbt um it was actually uh well it was actually partially founded on CBT principles. Um, what sets schema therapy aside is the fact that it dives a little bit deeper and looks at schemas. So we all have schemas, which are basically patterns um, or maladaptive um, coping patterns that we've learned um, throughout our lives. And some of these maladaptive coping mechanisms can arise from traumatic experiences from childhood or um, even um, in adulthood, in the teenage years, things like that, um, we have, or we can have experiences that then lead to these maladaptive coping mechanisms. And so um, in our current lives as adults or as teenagers, we might find ourselves repeating the same patterns from way back when. So the patterns from way back when, like those coping styles way back when helped us for those situations but they may not necessarily apply to the present moment so when we look at cognition right so when we look at our thoughts and we're trying to identify um, how to break certain um, cycles so how do we um, change the way that we think about something or change the way that we feel about something well if we don't really understand what that is connected to, if it's connected um, to schemas or these maladaptive coping mechanisms that we've picked up on, then we can only do so much with that because we're just changing the thought, but we're not necessarily diving into um, the root of it. Gotcha. So that that's where CBT and schema therapy um, complement each other. Um, Adlerian therapy, um <laughs> the parts of it that I use a lot um, in my work with clients has to do with um, the lifestyle assessment or looking at um, an individual from a holistic perspective. So that means that um, when I see a client, whether that's a teenager or an adult, I recognize that I'm meeting you in this moment that we're meeting, but you're more than uh, this present person that I'm meaning, right? So um, if I were working with you, Heather, and we were doing an intake, I wouldn't just talk about, well, you know, what's bringing you um, to therapy, that sort of thing, what are your symptoms? We would also look at your family background, your upbringing, um, and all these different things. And so I use the lifestyle assessment to really dig deeper into, um, the client's family, family background and upbringing. Um, and so that can mean looking at, um, sibling position in the family, cause, um, you've probably heard of, you know, uh, the, the oldest child having a certain personality or the middle child being this way and the baby oh, yeah. being this way. Right. So, we look at all of these different things and how they affect personality because they do. Um, and so when we look at these different experiences, because one thing um, that um, I think a lot of people know is the fact that within the same family, each family member, each sibling can have different experiences. Oh and they yeah. Can, experience the same situation a different way so looking at these things again helped me gain a better understanding of the individual as a whole so when we look at thoughts okay cool um we can work on changing the thought but what is this thought connected to is it connected to a schema or to a maladaptive coping um, pattern that you picked up from way back when did you pick that up from your family of origin and from all these different family dynamics, right? So that's part of that. Now with brain spotting, which I have been super, super excited about. I recently um, started utilizing brain spotting in my practice and oh my gosh, it it has just been um, amazing just to see um, the results, the healing um, that a lot of my clients are getting. It's, It's just so powerful. Um, It's a brain-based model um, that's very similar to um, EMDR. Um, Eye movement, the sensitization, something. But um, brain spotting um, Mm -hmm. developed um, from EMDR. And the theory um, behind brain spotting is that where we look affects how we feel. And the reason for that is because when you look at the brain and, um, a diagram of the brain. Um, you know, there's the frontal lobe, the midbrain, and then the brainstem, um, a lot of our feelings and emotions and all these things that we feel so deeply, they live in the brainstem. Um, and so our optic nerve is connected to the brainstem. So when you're dealing with something, um, traumatic or, um, heavy emotions and and things like that you might notice if you start paying attention you might notice that when you look to a certain spot in your visual field um you might feel that emotion more or maybe you are kind of staring into a space and like you're deep into thought right so that is because our brain is picking up something on our visual field and that's cueing our eyes and our optic nerve, it's cueing it to the brain and connecting that to the deeper part of our brain to let us know that, hey, you know, something might be going on that's worth looking into. So when you put together all of these different models that I just talked about in terms of that holistic perspective, then we can really dig deeper into what's happening and access that deepest part of the brain. So it's all about getting to the root of the issue. Um, So we can actually process things and bring all of that to the forefront of our minds, because then once we get to the root of it, we can bring it up and we can have um, an analytical conversation about what's happening. We can um, analyze things and we can learn tools and everything like that. But if we never get to the root of the issue, there's always going to be an issue because the actual problem isn't getting solved.
0: Absolutely. So oh, wow.
1: That, that was a very long, long winded way of explaining.
0: Oh, I loved that. every second of it. That's fascinating. And I love how you can see how these different types of therapy really overlap and work with, with each other. And and while you're explaining these, I'm thinking about, a teenage brain you know and and what where teenagers are just in their brain development and and how you can use these types of therapy to help especially teenage girls to make sense of the world that they're in and i wonder what types of patterns do you see in the patients that you work with mm-hmm.
1: Um, So most of the clients that I work with um, struggle with anxiety, depression, and um, trauma-related issues, not complex trauma, um, but trauma nonetheless, right? So a lot of the patterns that I see um, are in regards to faulty cognitions, um, uh, so when we talk about you know, CBT and and helping them to identify the um, connection between the thoughts and the feelings and emotions and and things like that. And so there's a lot of that. Um, A lot of my clients, especially the teenage girls, um, struggle with peer relationship issues. So um, school issues, um, issues like bullying. Um, You know, I also have clients um, that I work with who are a part of the LGBTQ plus community. So um, a lot of these issues, um, issues with race, issues with um, feeling like uh, they don't fit into a specific crowd and all these different kinds of things are issues that can bring up a lot of anxiety lots of depression. And for a lot of people, I mean, these experiences can be very traumatic. Um, so, So those are really a lot of the patterns that I see. And, um, I I've also worked with, um, clients who come from broken homes, homes where, um, you know, they, they didn't have two parents, um, there or, um, homes where they experienced um, a lot of abuse, physical, emotional, um, sexual abuse, neglect. I mean, um, yeah, so a lot of the patterns that I see are uh, along those lines. And I I also have to say that um, a lot of these kiddos, a lot of these teenagers are so resilient. Like, it's mind-blowing um, how resilient our teens are.
0: That's really exciting to think about when we put it this into the context of we are gaining a greater appreciation for the value of mental health and mental health care and the resilience of children and teenagers within this kind of chaotic time that we're living in is going to be super important because they're going to be the ones inheriting this culture that we're creating. Absolutely. I think that you know we have the adage of oh, kids these days, or when in my back in my day we didn't worry about these things or we never had to face the things that kids have these days and i I think that there's always this disconnection between uh, kids and adults just within the generations of of what was happening culturally when we were growing up, you know what our own children- childhoods were like and I wonder when you see a a teenager and a parent who are disconnected in that way, what are some ways that they can help to build relationship with Mm -hmm. each other and help to see each other's perspectives? Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I encourage parents to do is um, to listen and be open to what your child um, has to say. Um, I know that um, for a lot of us, um, when we were growing up, um, we could never dream of talking talking back to our parents. And I'm going to use air quotes here, talking back <laughs> to our parents or expressing um, our emotions and expressing how we feel, right? So yeah. a lot of us um, have had these experiences. And I think that um, now with this generation, um of teenagers and you know um kids growing up now um, i think that it's important for us to do things differently with our children um in terms of holding that space and allowing them to express what they need to express now it doesn't mean that you know you allow your child to be disrespectful or talk to you in any kind of way, because we're also raising future adults. And like you said, they're, they're going to be um, the future. They're going to be here when we've passed on. So there, there's this balance of um, raising emotionally healthy kids where you're providing um, the opportunity and the safe environment for them to express themselves while also um, helping them learn how to be adults who can, you know, (laughs) go out into the world one day and um, be successful, act right and all these different kinds of things. But I I also want to say that um, a lot of times as parents, we also need to look inward and look at ourselves as well to figure out what is it within ourselves that is maybe being triggered by this this teenager or by this adolescent that we're raising. Cause a lot of the time um, I think that um some of the headbutting that that happens in a lot of um parent-child relationships and a lot of these challenges come up when the child triggers some unresolved thing within the parent. So it's really important to, you know, talk to someone if you need to, like we're talking about thriving unburdened. Right. So that's what this is about. If you're struggling with parenting your child, it's okay to reach out to someone and be like, Hey, like, I have no idea what the heck I'm doing because guess what? None of us do. <laughs> like,
0: right. Yeah. There's
1: no handbook for, for parenting. So yeah. Um,
0: there are well. Sometimes I, I I think back to being pregnant and having my babies, and, and realizing I had spent nine months reading a book on parenting. My babies had not read that book. Yeah, and like I was working on a set from a set of air quote rules that right. they had no knowledge of. And as the mother of a teenager, you know, I, I I I think I share this with a lot of parents. I'm constantly second guessing myself and wondering if I'm doing the right things. And if I'm, if I'm creating that, that environment that you were talking about where, you know, they are, they're ready to go into the world and especially living in a world where we have so many opportunities to compare ourselves Mm -hmm. to other parents. And we are inundated with advice of how to be and, how, and and then warnings of what not to do. And it can be terrifying. We can be paralyzed with, I don't know what to do here. How can parents gain confidence mm-hmm. when they are working with their children to really create a space where they can be functional adults? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I really think that it goes back to um, building that relationship with the child and um, with the parent working on themselves and, working on whatever unresolved um, childhood trauma, or whatever the case may be that's there, working on those things. Because um, if if we're not healthy adults, um, we can't really raise healthy kids. Um, and so I don't necessarily think that, um, again, there's this handbook that's going to tell you Um, This is what you need to do in order to be confident in every single decision that you make for your your child's life, right? But I think that at the end of the day, it comes down to, one, working on yourself and healing those parts of yourself that need um, healing, Um, but two, learning to know your child because the truth is. Every child is different. So, just like I was saying with with um, Adlerian therapy and understanding those sibling relationships and those um, sibling positions in the family, each child is going to be different, even if they're raised by the same parents, same environment. But the truth is, your your firstborn had a different experience than your secondborn. Did and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. every time that a new child gets added to the family, they come into a different family, even if it's with the same people and everything like that. So those are things that I think are very important for, for us as parents to keep in mind. Um, because what worked for your, your eldest may not work for your youngest.
0: I'm living that. <laughs> I'm living that right now. And and you're completely right. You know, we we see it in in so many instances where, you know, you've got siblings that couldn't be more different mm-hmm. and you've got the same parents trying to figure out how to parent each of them. And we have this idea in our mind that we have to treat each person the same, but then that's not really being yeah. authentic to them and and You know, we're not going to solve it all today, but (laughs) I feel like we are hitting on some nice themes here of Mm -hmm. understanding that your teenager is a person in spite of you.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: And that your baggage needs to be checked at the door before you start, you know, trying to help your kid Mm -hmm. with, with hers. Mm -hmm. And and also, I remember a really critical moment for me with my dad when I was a teenager, when transparency was really helpful. And, and he said to me, you know, I've never had a teenage daughter before because I was the oldest. I am the mm-hmm. oldest. And me cluing into the fact that he was an amateur at this. Yeah. And yeah. I was also an amateur at being a teenager. And it yep. helped us to kind of come to a place of, you know, understanding each other a little bit better. Yeah. And I still think about that to this day. We are all amateurs.
1: Yeah. And the truth of the matter is no matter um, how long you've been a parent and how long you've been doing this for, um, you're always going to be hitting like new milestones. Like when your kid turns 21 or when they go off to college and you've never had a college student before, it's a whole new ball game, right? Yeah. So being willing to be flexible and open, and um, admitting when um, you don't know everything and you need help, and of course recognizing when you make mistakes. I mean, um, I I am a huge proponent of apologizing to your kid when you make a mistake. Um, I'm not a mom of a teenager yet, but I do have a four year old um, who thinks uh she she runs the world
0: (laughs) is she going for going on 16
1: (laughs) yes very much so and you know even at, at such a young age when i do something where i kind of feel like you know what that was probably too harsh of me to say or maybe i shouldn't have been so short with her i apologize and i say hey you know what i'm sorry i shouldn't have responded to you that that way and so with with these conversations that we're having um she's starting to get to the point where she can tell me about how she's feeling oh if if I say something or if I do something that doesn't make her happy I will hear about it mommy
0: <laughs> you hurt me you hurt my feelings that's such great right? advocacy though
1: yeah. So yeah. teaching our kids to do these things, we're not gonna get it right all the time. I mean, the 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 feelings of guilt that you get as a parent, um, those are real things. But at the end of the day, what are you gonna do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to reach out for help and ask someone, "Hey, when your child was this age, how did you handle these behaviors? What did you do?" It, it doesn't mean that. Um, you do everything that everybody else tells you, you still have to um, know your kid and weigh yeah. all these different things and decide if you're going to apply this with your child. But at the end of the day, um, seeking help, asking for help and um, you know, getting the support of other moms um, who are going through the same thing or who've been there that can be very helpful,
0: so you work with a variety of, of people, but I wonder if you had if you had a microphone and you were able to to share a message to teenage girls about what you want them to know about mm-hmm. thriving unburdened, what would it be? Mm-hmm.
1: you know it it comes down to these two words. It's okay. Or maybe three words. I don't know. It is okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, whatever you're going through right now, it might feel very overwhelming. It might feel like um, you can't do it, that there's no way that you can possibly get through whatever you're going through. It's okay to feel the way that you're feeling. Yeah. And there's light at the end of the tunnel. So many of us have been there yeah. So many of us, um, you know, we can remember our teenage years and oh, how
0: yeah.
1: challenging some of these years were for many of us. And it's okay to feel it. It's okay. It will be okay. And you're going to get through this.
0: For people who are interested in talking with you, learning more about your services and connecting, how can they get in touch? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, They can reach me through my website. That is www.thriveunburdened.com. I also have a social media presence. um, And so on Facebook and Instagram um, at Thrive Unburdened, um, I can also be reached via phone um, 561-601-6345 or 337-221-4596. And I can also be reached by email Um, Info at thriveunburden.com.
0: Excellent. I know we are going to have more conversations in the future. And I thank you so much for being part of Heather Solves Everything today.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was very, very fun. I loved having this conversation with you.
0: All right. We'll talk again soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You know, hearing Winnie talk about some of these universal themes that we all experience at some point of life, feeling unsure of ourselves, not being confident in the way that we are approaching interactions, and especially when we're supposed to know what we're doing. We're supposed to know how this goes, but we don't always know. Sometimes we've had a Bad example in the past. Other times we've gotten so much conflicting information that we're not even really sure what we think. It can be difficult to figure out what is the best course of action. And when I'm in those types of circumstances, I remember that we are all doing our best and we all do our best until we know better and then we do better. I like the idea of trying to be the adult that a younger version of yourself needed, to be the parent that you needed when you were a teenager, to be the mentor or the other adult in the room that you would have really appreciated. That encouraging voice, maybe that piece of advice, even just that quiet presence. Sometimes we don't realize when we are a mentor or an example for somebody else. And it's not until we reflect back later in life that we realize the connections that we make with each other are there happening for a reason. I wonder if you can look around and notice the people who are in your life for a reason and to see the gifts that they're bringing and to contemplate on the gifts that you are bringing to them. None of us have this figured out. Sure, there might be times when we feel like we are on top of the world, thriving, unburdened. We have hit our stride and life is good. We've got it all figured out. And then we hit a roadblock. We stumble. We kind of do one of those sloppy, uh, running forward, head going straight into the air and not knowing where we're going to (laughs) land. but we do land, you know, we do land. Sometimes we have to get up and brush ourselves off. Sometimes somebody helps us up and asks if we're okay. And no matter what happens, the fact that we know that we can keep going, that we can look to how our thoughts affect how we feel, how our thoughts of how the world is or situations we've been in in the past can determine what we think is going to happen next and how our life circumstances, our family dynamics, the relationships that we've had can impact how we approach relationships today. We can take all of that and use it as part of an inventory for how we approach each other now. This episode of Heather Solves Everything has created some more questions than solutions, and that's okay. I'm glad that you're here and that we have some food for thought. I love to hear your thoughts and ideas. So please look for me on Instagram, Heather Solves Everything, and on Facebook, I'm always there, ready to hear your ideas. And if you've got an idea for a topic that should be covered on Heather Solves Everything, go to heathersolveseverything.com and click on Solve My Problems. Submit a show topic idea and we will get it done together. I hope that something great happens for you today. I'm Healthy Heather, and I'm always here to help you solve everything. To connect with Heather and find out more about today's show, just look for Heather Solves Everything on Facebook and Instagram. With a little help from your friends, you can solve everything too.